funeral service in Washington. Becoming your own lobbyist on Capitol Hill. A funeral radio special. With Robert M. Fells, Executive Director and General Counsel to the ICCFA. Well, hello. This is Bob Fells, and thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it very much. Today on our show, we're going to spend some time, uh, both seriously and humorously, talking about certain words and terms that our politicians in Congress like to use and how, in many cases, they can be very misleading to us. Sometimes it's because the politicians themselves don't quite know what they mean or they misuse them. I'm trying to be fair here. Or on the other hand, they may know exactly what they mean and even to the point that maybe they're misusing them for us. Anyway, it's sort of a fun thing, but believe me, I think after these uh, next few minutes, you'll never listen to any politician quite the same way again. The focus here is going to be on taxes, tax breaks. We hear every year or two that we need tax reform. Uh, we need to take make the tax code fairer. Some years ago, we used to hear about making the tax code simpler, but I think there's too many vested interests that don't really want a simple tax code, but they uh, everyone wants a fair tax code. So that's kind of what we're what we're kind of hearing about. You have to understand the federal government is probably not the best source to figure out really what is fair as far as finances and other things. For example, of the many departments and agencies of the federal government, I mean, they can never really close down. I know we've had a few government shutdowns because Congress didn't approve funding in time, but you'll never see a government agency or a department just sort of go out of business. That doesn't happen. And there's two reasons for that. Number one, like your business and my business, the government has no competitors. You never hear about one agency competing with another agency or a, or a department of government competing with a private sector company to do the same thing. So there's no competitors. I think our world would be very nice if we didn't have any competitors, but it doesn't work like that. Second thing is that the income that the government receives from its customers, and by the way, the Internal Revenue Service does refer to taxpayers as their customers. I'm sure they're unwilling. But anyway, unlike the prices maybe we charge our customers and our businesses, which they voluntarily pay or they decide they don't want to do business with us, the government mandates charges or prices from the public as a tax. And that's paid under penalty of law and even imprisonment. So the government's customers are not exactly voluntary uh, nor does the government have to worry about competition. That may explain many things in the government as far as inefficiency, waste, and sometimes even fraud. Anyway, as the Congress goes about its business and we hear more and more about, look, we need to reform the tax code for one reason or another, we're going to be hearing a lot of politicians, and I say this on both sides of the aisle, Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, you know, uh, nobody has a, a lock on this sort of thing. We're going to be hearing some important words that seem to be misused much more often than they should. And I'm going to, we're going to concentrate the time we have today 
on just four terms that definitely are used in ways that actually they don't mean what they're being used for. The four are, for the roll of drums, loopholes. We're always hearing about we need to close loopholes, okay? Another thing is we need to end subsidies, like the subsidy for the mortgage interest deduction, okay? And then even the word itself, deductions. Subsidies and deductions are two different animals as different as night and day. But I've heard politicians of all stripes use them interchangeably and misleading. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And the fourth term we're going to talk about is rights, as in the right to own a home or even the right to a job. Okay, so let's talk about perhaps the most familiar one is, you know, the populist idea is we've got to close loopholes. Okay, there really are no loopholes in the tax code. What we think of maybe as loopholes because they give favorable treatment to certain people or certain companies or certain things that we choose to do with our money. These are these loopholes are actually perfectly legal exemptions, deductions or credits that Congress itself enacted into law and that the president of the United States, of course, had to sign in order for it to take effect as law. Some of these things are just sort of tucked into larger bills, and many people in Congress didn't notice them, but that doesn't make them loopholes. A loophole is an unintended oversight or a mistake, something that would probably be against the law, but it's not because Congress passed it as a law. So please remember that our friends in Congress intended each and every loophole in the tax code to be there. So they're not a loophole, they're not a mistake. Okay. A second term we talked about is subsidies. What is a subsidy? Particularly things like how people who are able to claim a mortgage interest deduction are being subsidized by other people who aren't able to claim a mortgage. They don't have a mortgage. Maybe they can't afford a mortgage. So those poor people are making up for the subsidy that the people with the home interest mortgage are you know, taking. Now, look, you don't have to be Noah Webster, who wrote, I guess, one of the first dictionaries, to know the difference really between a subsidy and a deduction. Basically, briefly, is a subsidy is when the government takes money from one person and gives that money to another person. So, in other words, in my taxes, the government takes money from me and gives my money to you. You are being subsidized. I am subsidizing you so to speak, okay? The second person is being subsidized by the first. Now, let's contrast subsidy with a deduction. Deduction is a lot simpler to understand. A deduction is when the government allows you or me to keep more of our own money, okay? Deduction means we can take a certain expense or item, and we don't have to count it as taxable income. So nobody is subsidizing the home mortgage interest deduction including the people who can't claim the deductions. The government is simply saying the money that you earn and you put toward for the mortgage interest, you can deduct that amount. We're not going to subject that amount you pay in mortgage interest. We're not going to deduct that, or rather, more properly, we're not going to count that as taxable income. This serves the purpose as being an incentive and a stimulus 
to make buying houses more uh, affordable and possible, more possible for more people. So it's a very it's a very positive type type of thing. But you probably already heard that, gee, we have to either curtail, if not eliminate, the mortgage interest deduction because there's people who have to subsidize for it. That's just not true. It's probably worth mentioning the federal government, you know, from year to year, they really don't know how much money they're going to get from taxes. They have a good idea. I think just last year I read that the federal government collected much more money in taxes than they thought they would. They were quite delighted at the windfall of that. So if we're going to use the argument that somebody is subsidizing the deduction, the home mortgage deduction, that means the government has a set amount they need to make in tax revenue. And so what they're missing from the side of people who have mortgages, they've got to hit the people who don't have mortgages. It doesn't work like that. It's never worked like that. And I'm sure it never will work like that. But it doesn't stop politicians from using class envy and jealousy to try and get unpopular legislation passed. The, usually the rallying cry is, you know, the rich should pay more taxes. And I think most everybody, uh, certainly in the middle class, will shake their heads and say, well, yeah, that's right. The question is, and this is what you really got to be on the alert for, is getting the politician in question to define who are the rich in terms of dollar amounts? How much money do they make in terms of salary? You know, people can make other income each year from uh, capital gains, things like that. But we're talking about taxable earnings, salary, that uh, makes up a good part of the tax code. So when you hear someone said, if I'm elected, I'll make sure that ta the rich pay more, more taxes, we need to say, Please define who is rich. What is the income level? There was a um, politician. I won't name him because, again, we're trying to be bipartisan here. But he ran for president a few years ago. He wasn't elected, but he made a very good showing. And he loved to say, if I'm elected president, I'm going to get the, the uh, public, the taxpayers, the rich, to pay more taxes. Okay, and a lot of people said, "Yeah, way to go! I'm going to vote for that guy. He wants to get the rich to pay more taxes." But I noticed the several times I heard him speak, he never gave us a dollar amount. Who does he consider rich based on a dollar amount of their salaries each year? Finally, one day he was on one of the talk shows. I think it might have been Meet the Press, and there was a reporter who just really held his feet to the fire. And he wasn't satisfied with the, the, you know, the rich need to pay more taxes. He really came on and said, well, you need to tell us who you think is rich. What, what's the dollar man? Well, he hemmed and hawed, and finally he couldn't get out of it. And this candidate said, anybody who makes over $50,000 a year should be paying more taxes. Well, you could hear the thud <laughs> drop. I'm sure a lot of people who maybe were going to vote for this fella decided, what? This guy thinks I'm rich. I make fifty or $60,000 a year, even more. And he thinks I ought to pay more taxes, you see? So this is one thing you have to watch out for. Don't fall for the old idea of the rich need to pay. Find out. You may be shocked to find that you are the rich. I'll give you one example that Congress tried to fix it. So they made sure that everybody would pay some taxes, and including the rich, and that's the alternative minimum tax. 
Uh, the idea of it, actually, it's a good idea. It was it was designed to ensure that rich people who could come up with deductions and capital losses and this and that, so they paid very little or no income tax, even though they may have made millions of dollars during the year, uh, that with the alternative minimum tax, the AMT, they had to pay something, okay? Well, unfortunately, Congress, when they passed it back in 1969, they hadn't bothered to index it for inflation. So it never went up. And as of, I think it was maybe 2012, the rich people who were subject to the alternative minimum tax just had to make $48,000, $48,450 a year. Okay. Going forward, because it wasn't based on or index for inflation, the AMT could fall as low as individuals who earn $33,700. They would be considered quote-unquote rich and subject to this alternative minimum tax if the regular tax tables didn't kick in with enough tax. So, you know, never before has being treated as being rich been so affordable, right? But it's not the way it's supposed to, to work. This incremental approach, you know, when Americans need to learn, frankly, that the idea of soaking the rich always backfired on them. Now, this reminds me of one of the old slapstick, you know, silent movies, Keystone, Max Senate, where, you know, a guy throws a pie at another guy, but the fella ducks, and the poor slob standing behind him, he's the one who gets the pie right in the face, Okay. Let's call the pie thrower Mr. Government. And let's call the pie itself higher taxes. The guy who ducks from the pie is Mr. Rich. But the guy who gets the pie in the face, the higher taxes, is Mr. Middle Class. Okay? Ironically, Mr. Middle Class was all in favor of Mr. Government throwing the pie when he thought that it was going to hit only Mr. Rich. But Mr. Rich was able to sidestep the pie, and Mr. Middle Class is the one who landed with the pie or the the uh, the tax hike. This happens all the time. And, you know, you think people would kind of get wise to this, but no. They fall for the lure of we have to make the tax, the rich pay more taxes. These things sometimes get passed, and they find they are the ones paying more taxes. Another word we wanted to use, we've gone through subsidy and deduction. We want to talk about the word right, as in having a legal or constitutional right. Today, we hear that we have lots of rights that we never knew about, okay? Politicians are confusing a right with a privilege. A privilege is a special benefit that's conferred by the government on people who qualify for the privilege. And as evidence of their qualifying, the government issues a license. That's what licenses are for. A license is a privilege conferred by the government on individuals who the government says qualifies. For example, there's no such thing as a right to drive a car. You've never heard of that. We almost qualify for this privilege. Driving is a privilege. You learn that in driver's ed class. It's a privilege that you have to earn by passing a written exam and then a road exam. And then even then, when we receive a driver's license, it can be revoked if we drive badly. Okay. So, for example, a blind man has no right to drive because he doesn't qualify. He can't see well enough. 
Another example we hear now is uh, the right to marry. It's usually brought up in you know cases of the same sex marriages, and it doesn't matter what you think about that, whether you're for it or against it or don't care. There is no, and there never has been, a right to marry. And if there is a right to marry, then why does the government require marriage licenses? It's a privilege that the government grants, I'm talking about civil marriages here, to those who qualify. Now, if the government wants to change the qualifications, for example, a same-sex marriage, if the government wants to say, well, we're going to change the qualifications, the government can do that. The government has the authority and say, okay, we're going to allow other people that in the past we said didn't qualify. Today we're going to say they do qualify, and here's your marriage license. The government do that, but just let's not call it a right to marry. Okay. In recent years, we've heard a lot about the right to own a home. We've heard about the right to a job. Well, we don't need a license to buy a home, but we certainly have to qualify for a mortgage as if it were a kind of a license or a privilege. Some say that the housing collapse in 2008 was caused in large part by political pressures on banks and mortgage companies to grant mortgages to people whose income really would not have qualified them in earlier times. I, I personally know people today who are struggling to pay jumble, jumbo mortgages that they obtained because they figured if the bank figured they couldn't afford it, they wouldn't be given the mortgage. But the banks played loosey-goosey with that up to 2008, and so an awful lot of people were qualified for mortgages that they really shouldn't have gotten, and the banks would have been doing them a favor. I know when I was a young man and my wife and I, we tried to buy a home in our younger days, the banks would say that uh, the mortgage couldn't be more, had to be between 28% and 33% of my pay. And that if it was more than 33% of my pay, I would not be approved. I didn't like it, but I realize now they probably were doing me a big favor. Okay, so let me sum up here that as the discussion of taxes, tax rates, tax breaks, and just, frankly, tax hikes and tax reform, as we hear more and more about it, and we always do, we have to understand what the terms are, or otherwise we'll allow uh, ourselves to be led down the garden path. So a subsidy is money that the government takes from us and gives to another person. A deduction is where the government lets us keep our own money. A right is something that somebody has to, uh, does not have to, I should say, qualify for, okay? And we will be challenged, believe me, to forget these very important distinctions as a debate over the tax code and making the tax code fairer uh, pr progressives. Certainly, if a tax reform, if true tax reform is handled properly, we're all going to have to share in the pain of losing certain deductions and exemptions and credits, but it'll be across the board. But I'll tell you, we're never off to a very good start when our political leaders use or misuse terms and they tell us that up is down and front is back. So we're the only ones that can call them on it. So when you hear about someone talking about a deduction and making it sound like a subsidy that somebody is paying us, we need to be able to contact our representative or our senators, one or both of them, and say, excuse me, sir or ma'am, 
you're wrong. You're not using that term properly. We need to show them that we know what these words mean. And that's the best way we can protect ourselves, our families, and our businesses from an ever-growing government, by letting our leaders know that we know what's going on. Thanks very much for joining us today, and I hope to see you next time.